Welcome to the Courtside Hoops podcast. We are back again. We are officially in off-season mode, and that's for some people, is their best part of the NBA cycle. Um, people tune in more for draft day, um, trade deadline, all that sort of stuff. It becomes their real season for a lot of fans in sports these days. A lot has happened. Um, we're going to talk about a few of the bigger trades that have happened, go over if we think um, they're going to make a difference or how it looks for the teams. Um, but essentially, NBA teams from one season to another very rarely look the same these days with the amount of player movement that happens in the offseason. So um, we're back to just the OGs, myself and Reg, um, the two on tonight, the other two uh, tucked away in bed on a Sunday night. So we're back to just the old crew to run through um, some of the things that have happened since the NBA Finals and Denver getting their first championship in franchise history. So um, we'll jump into the Boston Celtics to start, who have made um, a few moves that are going to really change the look of them. Um, a team that many thought were going to go to at least the NBA Finals and most had them as the favourites to take the title this year after going to the finals and losing in six last year to the Golden State Warriors. Uh, but we all know what happened in the Eastern Conference Finals with Miami beating them in seven games. So they've essentially lost, to me, two of their most important players in Marcus Smart and Grant Williams. So we'll start with the Marcus Smart trade. So um, that is the one that has gone down. I'm just going to bring up the details of exactly what's included in that because it can become very complicated these days. Um, but essentially what's happened is Marcus Smart is now a Memphis Grizzly and Chris Porzingis has made his way to the Celtics. Um, there's a few other first-round draft picks and some other players. Um, Danilo Gallinari is going to the Wizards. He's probably the other one of note that's included in there. Um but yeah, essentially, you've got Marcus Smart leaving Boston for the Memphis Grizzlies and Chris Stapps Porzingis making his way to Boston. Reg, what do you think? Do you think this makes Boston better or worse on, on the surface level? Worse. Worse on the surface level. Um, I think the, the, the thing that's interesting about this is normally when you have teams that are contending, the, the, the moves they make are around the margins. They're not necessarily like losing your heart and soul, which is Marcus. If you're the Boston Celtics, Marcus Smart, like J uh, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are your best players, but Marcus Smart is your heart and soul and has been for some time now. Like I think he's been there close to a decade probably now that he's been in the league. Um, so that's, I think that was quite big because you're right there. Like they obviously got to where they got to, got knocked out by Miami, but again, were the favorites in that series. Like basically everyone who played against Miami in the playoffs was the favorites. Um, and so now they've they've shifted pretty significantly. And I think the real thing that shook me was, remember originally they tried to get Porzingis and ship out um, Brogdon and that didn't go through. And it was, uh, I think that was a three-way deal. Um, I can't remember who the third team was, whether it was the Grizzlies or not, but, um, and then it ended up being Marcus Smart. And I was like, wow, like it was one thing to give up Brogdon, obviously six man of the year, things like that. But to give up Marcus Smart, who is a, Pain in the backside, but I think a, a, a guy that every single player would love to have on their team. Obviously, one defensive player of the year, the first guard since Gary Payton to do so a couple of years back. 
Um, so I think it's uh, if if you're Boston, I don't really like it. And I keep reading how Porzingis had the best year of his career. What did what did Washington do? Like uh, they're empty stats. If you don't even make the playoffs, they are empty stats. So whilst he might have been efficient, clearly didn't contribute to winning because they didn't make, they didn't make the postseason. So I feel like there's a little bit too much on the Porzingis side there. Um, and I also just don't know how it works fit wise. It's a weird, like, because you're taking out a guard and bringing it a big, like, it's a it's a totally different, totally different scenario. Um, so for me, on the surface of it, not a fan. Yeah, it certainly is an interesting one. Um, certainly one of the knocks on on Boston, I guess, one of the weaknesses that most people saw was that they had a lack of size on the front line. So some people would see this, okay, you're taking out a, a guard, you're taking out a wing, and you're replacing with a big. So you're you're um, putting some attention to what, what was perceived as one of their weaknesses. But to me, the weakness was on the defensive side of things as size. It wasn't on the offensive side. Now, Porzingis, tremendous offensive talent. It doesn't offer a lot in terms of rim protection on the defensive side of the floor. So... For mine, as you mentioned, you're taking out a defensive player of the year, the longest-serving Celtic that was on that roster. Um, as you say, most people consider him the heart and soul and the driver of that team. And so you're taking defense and replacing with offense. Now, for me, that's going to benefit you in the regular season. It's going to hurt you tremendously in the postseason. So if you're trying to address um, things that were stopping you from getting over the hump in the postseason, taking out your best defensive player and replacing it with an offensive player isn't going to get you any further in the playoffs. It's going to get you some more regular season wins, but you're already the first and second seed for the last three years anyway. So it's not like you needed to improve your regular season record. What you needed to do was improve your ability to get past in the postseason and get you over the hump to a championship team. And for mind, you've regressed by taking out your best defensive player. Um, and on top of that, the other deal that they've done is they've lost Grant Williams for draft picks. So nothing's coming back on that side of the equation. That, to me is for the two players that you could least afford to lose, obviously ever we, we know Tate and we know Brown. Like We, we know you're not going to trade those guys. Uh, I understand they're the two you, that you can't possibly lose. But the next two after that that you couldn't possibly afford to lose was Marcus Smart and Graham Williams. And if you watch that series in the Eastern Conference Finals, those were the two guys that were willing to step up to the challenge. They were the ones willing to put themselves out there to look silly and fail to try to win that series, along with probably Al Horford, whereas Tatum and Brown tended to take that back seat when the adversity hit. Um, And so now you take out two guys that are willing to get into the fight with you for a guy like Paul Zingas, which I think will be similar to Brown and Tatum, that when things aren't necessarily going their way, they're not going to want to step forward and take the risk of looking silly, they're going to regress back like they did in the last series. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense um, losing those two guys for mine. No, nah, the Grant Williams, but I, I agree with you. Like, everyone will remember the fact that he got under Jimmy's skin and Jimmy came back and, like, dominated him. Yes. Outside of that, and, and Grant was smart enough to realise that maybe I shouldn't have done that. Like, he <laughs> even said, I'm obviously um, paraphrasing, but said things along those lines um, after that that game and that series. But 
Mav's got a steal there. Absolute steal. Like, he fits so perfectly with that team and what they need around Luca and Kyrie, like guys like him. I think Boston have underrated him big time in that deal. Yeah, absolutely. And it's going to be a difficult, you know, if they still run with Joe Mazzullo coming back second-year coach um, to try to orchestrate how that's going to work with those three offensive talents now, um, you know. Hopefully he can work it out, but that's, that's that's a tough job for any coach, let alone a second yearer. It's it's hard with like in in the game today. It's hard with three offensive like offensive plays because at least with two you can you can sort of go a bit of your turn, my turn, which we know is not great, but at least you, you know you're going to still get your 15, 20, 25 shots. With three, as we always know, someone's the odd man out. It was Chris Bosh in Miami. If for it to work, somebody has to be the odd man out. Is Porzingis going to want to do that? We know Tatum and Brown won't. Mm. Is he going to want to do that? Be interesting one to see, mm. I think. Mm. And now, just just sitting here thinking about it, maybe coming from a different angle, maybe Boston thought they'd maxed out what they had and they they have to regress now and go again. They, they didn't think we could just make a couple of minor tweaks and get over the hump. They think, okay, we've almost got to not break the whole thing down but we need to come back and, and maybe be the third or fourth seed next season and then relaunch again. I think you're spot on because the other thing they've done, speaking of Missoula, is he was sort of young and had young assistants last year. They have hired that many um, uh, veteran assistants. I think to be like, let's let's have a – rather than have a young coach, young assistants where it's all young, you know, get some steady, experienced guys in there to sort of help guide – Missoula from the defensive perspective, uh, sorry, from a coaching perspective, and I think I think you're spot on. They've, they've basically said by doing this, we do not feel like we can win a championship with this current roster. Otherwise, you run mm. it back. Like mm. or, as we say, you make minor tweaks here and there, but nothing like this. This is quite significant. Mm. Okay, so it will be interesting to see how that all comes together in Boston. Now, that was like ten minutes of Boston talk. That's a bit gross, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. We won't talk about them again for another six months. <laughs> Um, Golden State. Golden State has made another another big move. Um, obviously not to the level of the Kevin Durant back in 2016, um, but they've let go of Jordan Poole, and in return they have got Chris Paul, and there's a bunch of other stuff that's happened in the trade, um, but they're the two focal points on that. What do, what do you make of this one in Golden State? I have no idea. I just... The thought of Chris Paul running the show instead of Steph Curry. And I know Curry can play off ball is just weird, I think. Um, I'm not sure I like it. We also know, and, and obviously we'll talk about this, but Draymond has re-signed and yes. he likes to play a lot of distributor facilitator as well. Yes. So I know Jordan Poole wasn't Jordan Poole, especially in the playoffs. And he'll, he'll go down to Washington and average probably 30 and, and they'll be win 15 games. Like, you know what I mean? Like that's the kind of player I think that, that he is. So I just, I, this is what I have to see because I'm really worried that by taking the ball out of Steph's hands, slowing the game down because Chris Paul does not play fast anymore. Mm-hmm. You, you take away the, a lot of the strength of, of Clay and Steph, which is transition threes, you know, um, and getting the ball to Draymond and letting him play. And if he's not been a facilitator as much, he, he then gets out of a bit of his rhythm as well. Um, so I, I, the fit-wise, it's just it's just weird for me. I'm just not sure about it. Mm. Yeah, it's it's funny. Um, for any of those people out there that thought the punch wouldn't make a difference, I think this is the final nail in the coffin of it absolutely made a difference 
in the season, in the playoffs, and that's the reason that they they hitched their wagon to Draymond, signing him to a new deal, and they've shipped out Jordan Poole. So um, for anyone to think that, that the, there was no residual effect of what happened in the preseason, this is, this is the final chapter of that now. Now, with Chris Paul coming in, the thing that worries me is their slogan for their for this dynasty has been strength in numbers. And what that means is they were all about guys sacrificing parts of their own game to fit into their system so that they were essentially the best team for the entire 48 minutes. Now, what that means is their second unit was so much better than any other second unit in the league because they had guys in those units that could clearly be starting players on other teams in the league, but they sacrificed to be part of that system and to be part of that second unit. Now, the numbers during that four-year run against the Cavs, because obviously I followed that very closely, our starters in Cleveland outscored their starters pretty much every single time we played. But the differential of the second units was off the charts because they had guys like Sam Livingston, uh, Sean Livingston coming off the pine that would just torch you because he could easily have been a starter on another team. So by getting Chris Paul in, I feel like they're going to be trying to manipulate something similar where you've got him and Draymond that play very similar, so they're going to have to split how they do that, but they're always going to have a guy that f- facilitates that entire offense for all 48 minutes. So when Draymond's off the court, Chris Paul is on the court, and it's just a seamless change because that's the key to their offense is having those guys that allow Steph and Clay and Jordan Poole and all the other guys just to do what they need to do, and they've got this focal point that just makes it all happen and makes everyone unselfish. So that's my worry. Yes, he's old. Yes, he's injury-prone, but... That's how Golden State has been so successful. So if they can get that part of it right, it's going to be very difficult for teams to be able to compete over that full 48 minutes with them. Is this like, does he come off the bench or does he start? Has to, has to come off the bench. Yeah, Yeah. I feel like this is... Draymond's still a better facilitator and and obviously he knows the system. The system's been him for this whole dynasty. So there's no way Chris Paul can come in and be a better person in that role than Draymond. And then, so assume he comes off the bench, is he okay with that? Because That's that's the big unknown. It could prolong his career in that, like, if he can accept that role and be, as you say, that guy who dominates against second units because he's starting caliber, he, he could play another however many years at this, you know what I mean? But it's it's always that, is he going to drag his feet of what was rather than what is, you know? Fascinating. Because he has to. If for, for it to work, he's, he's going to have to sacrifice part of his game to fit in to the system because if he tries to be all, even all that he was in Phoenix, if he tries to be all of that, it's not going to work because you're just going to be fighting against other guys that can do the same things. So it's about everyone sacrificing a little bit so that the team um, overall is as complete as possible rather than guys trying to do too much and it ends up costing your team which is a hard thing yeah, to sell point. to some people because a lot of players think, well, if I'm playing the best I can possibly play, surely that's the best thing for the team. 
but it, it, it actually isn't. If everyone's trying to give 100% of what they are, it doesn't collectively, that doesn't then equal 1,000% for the team. Sometimes you need guys to be giving you 85% of what they can give you. And then sometimes when it's required, they come up to 100% and they have these breakout games. But most of the time, it's guys giving about 85% of what they can do. And that all coming together makes the team 1,000%. Yeah, it's it's that whole 100% in your role, not 100% mm. of what you can do. Like very, yes. very different, very, very different things. And I think you're right. I think if he's got a a structured, clear role off the bench. This is what we want you to do. These are the minutes, like, you know, and if, if anyone can do it, it's probably going to be Steve Kerr, you know, because he's, he's proven to be able to make things work um, and a few different iterations. Obviously, he's had that main core, but different pieces in and out. So the other the other part of that, that which, which allowed Chris Paul to make it to Golden State was first he had to be traded out of Phoenix. Now, that was the biggest trade that went down, and that one involved Bradley Beal going from the Washington Wizards and ending up on the Phoenix Suns. Chris Paul went to the Wizards along with um, Landry Shamet and about 40,000 first and second round picks, <laughs> if you add them all up. Um, and then obviously from there, Chris Paul has been traded from the Wizards to Golden State that we just talked about. But Beal in Phoenix now, this is essentially the new big three um, that that term gets thrown around a lot these days. I tend to look at a big three has to be three players that uh, are at least current all stars or very recently all stars, mm. not players that were all stars maybe six years ago and they happen to now be teamed yep. up. But Bradley Beal was an all star in two thousand and twenty one. Injuries the last two years has made him ineligible, but still an all star caliber player. And obviously adding that to Kevin Durant and Brad, uh, not Bradley Beal. Devin Booker, what do you make of the Phoenix Suns first and then second? Does this automatically make them the favourites to win it all next season? Um, don't like it and no are the answers to those two questions. <laughs> I, I don't like it because I don't think from a fit perspective, if you could put three players together and someone told me, oh, we'll put Bill Booker and KD together, unless it's like NBA fantasy or something, I don't like it at all. I don't like the fit. We all, we all know what Booker's like, so he's. I don't think he's going to sacrifice to win. I think he's one of these players who are like, no, no, it's all about winning. I'm all about winning as long as it's my way. <laughs> and that he'll never say as long as it's my way, but his actions will show otherwise. Um, and Bill's come from a situation where he's been a franchise guy, one of the best players in the franchise of the Washington Wizards. Spoke about wanting to be a one-team guy for his career, and, and now he finds himself in this in this. Um, weird situation that he's never been in before. So very, very foreign to him to play with two players of that caliber. I, those two together, I think is is why I don't think this will work. I think KD is at that point in his career where he will do what he has to do, depending on who he's playing with, to try and give himself the best chance. Um, actually really fascinated to see it on the court because I just, in my head, I'm like trying to figure out, okay, who's... But like we were talking about with Boston, who's the guy who has to sacrifice the most out of those three? I can't see Bill doing it. We know Booker won't, and KD shouldn't. So how does that work? Mm, I think the hard thing for Phoenix is going to be they're devoid of leadership. Who's who's going to be the one? And look, they may be able to get a locker room leader. Like we've seen with teams that they're able to get a locker room leader, guys that – you wouldn't even know their name, but 
they're able to come into a team and they're able to command the respect of the players there and become that leader even though they're not on the court because the guys that are going to be on the court, none of those are leaders. The best leader they had was Chris Paul (laughs) and he wasn't able to get it all together. So who's going to be the leader that's going to be able to, as you say, get Devin Booker to understand now he's, he should be the man. He's the guy that's coming into his prime and he, I, I suspect he wants to be the man. He wants to prove himself that he can be the best player on a championship team. Kevin Durant's been there. He's won two finals MVPs, won two championships. So it'd be far easier for him to take that back seat because he's already got the accolades. Um, Bradley Beal's never had deep final um, playoff runs, so he's got to come in and just learn from these other guys. And we know the attitude problems that we've got with Aiden, so he needs some strong leadership as well. So who's going to be able to come in and be the leader to bring all that together so that they're able to see this is what we need to do. These are the different sacrifices each of us have to make for us to be a championship contending team. Um, Because certainly in recent memory, the idea of a super team of just collecting as much talent as you can, equaling championship winning, it does not work. I think teams, NBA, the NBA got seduced after the 2008 Boston Celtics, um, bringing that talent together, which resulted in the championship in the first season. And then what happened in Miami, four finals, two, two championships. Um, Cleveland doing what they did, one championship, four straight finals. But they're the only created super teams that have been successful. You look at all the other teams that have been successful. Now, you can the Spurs and Golden State, absolutely super teams, but they weren't constructed by players coming in. They were through the draft, through acquiring one or two over time and developing a system. Same with Golden State. The ones that have tried to manufacture it, we look at the Lakers when they brought in Dwight Howard, failure. You look at what happened with Philadelphia when they had Jimmy Butler, Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, failure. You look at what happened in Brooklyn, absolute failure. Um, Even that Boston Celtics team, yes, um, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum were very young. Kyrie got hurt, but that didn't work either. It all all fell apart for them. So these constructed super teams do do not work. Um, So unless you've got strong leadership that makes sure that everyone sacrifices for the team to be successful, the talent alone will not get you there. It will only get you so far. So that's my biggest worry with Phoenix. You know what they need to, in addition to leadership, they need that glue. Mm. They, need, they need the connector. Like you look at that roster and depth is still a problem. Like after you get through those four, it's like, who? <laughs> they really start, oh, they did they did get Eric Gordon on a on a um on a deal which would be but they lost is, um, Jock, so lost Jock. Yep. Yep. They've still got Cameron Payne there and we know that he's no good. So they're <laughs> They're in all sorts, but but they don't have that guy. They don't have the Shane Battier. They don't have the the um what Lonzo Ball was before all his like these guys who um connect guys. So they're not necessarily getting all the numbers. They're not getting any of the credit, but they are able to glue these the the main guys you know together. And and every good team, as you say, who's had the three superstars has had a glue guy who helps that connect. And it's almost a form of leadership without having to say anything like it's all through action it's not verbal at all it's i will do whatever it takes to to make sure 
you know, that that swing pass from KD through me gets to Bradley Beal in the corner rather yes. than I'm going to be the one to shoot it because I'm open. No, no, no. Bradley Beal's better. I'll swing it. Like they need yes. they need those sort of connecting pieces. And because otherwise, I feel like they're just like they were last year, but with a guy who can score better than Chris Paul can. Yes. And we, we saw that Booker and KD got theirs in the playoffs, mm. particularly against Denver. Both of them got theirs. But it didn't never look like win that series. Like, and you got Beal, so Beal will get his. Mm. But it's like, uh, if you're just going to try and outscore the other team, that's not going to work come postseason. Like, you'll they might win sixty games in the regular season. Yes, but that doesn't equate to winning titles as we know. Like, there's so many examples of those regular season teams who haven't been able to get it done when that game slows down. And and you need to be all on one page and all connected, and it can't just be a, a three-man weave between the three of them. <laughs> and, and Aiden just playing in pick and, in pick and rolls because he's not going to want to do that. Like he's going to want to be a feature as well. So I think Frank's got a really, really tough, tough job to try and make this work, especially in year one with the expectations. Like he's, he's really mm. going to have to try and figure this out. Especially when he's a defensive-minded coach too. So he, he's one wood is defensive um, schemes and the best players on his team aren't known as defensive specialists. So he's going to be trying to create a scheme that's the foundation of their crew, whereas they're going to, whereas his best players are like, well, no, what are we doing on the offensive side of things? That's where that's their one would. So whereas when he was in um, Los Angeles, you've got Anthony Davis. He's one would's defense. You've got LeBron James who, if he needs to play defense, he's got he had KCP, defensive specialist. Alex Caruso, defensive specialist. Rondo, defensive specialist. Dwight Howard, defensive specialist. So he had a team that guys, one would, was the defensive side of the ball more so than the offense. It's going to be very challenging when his core guys are all clearly offensive-minded guys. Spot on. Spot on. I think I think the one guy to keep an eye on, and I know we're going to touch him a little bit and he's bounced around a number of teams at the moment, but if he gets bought out, is our own Paddy Mills vet minimum leadership. Would be a really good fit. I'd hate to see it, but would be a good fit. Yeah, good segue into Paddy. He's saying that he's good enough on the Suns. The, the band has gone from Brooklyn to Houston to Oklahoma to now Atlanta. You think he might move from Atlanta to the Suns? The the man is being shipped around the NBA. What what do you think's happening there? Why why do you think these teams? Do you think it's because of his age and his value is on a contending team with his leadership and then his ability to shoot the three ball off the bench? So for a, a team like the Rockets, OKC, Atlanta, all teams that are sort of coming up, he's not of value to them. I don't think so because they're like, I think he needs to be on a veteran team where he can be that glue. He can be that, you know, when guys come off the court, he's talking to them, saying what he sees. And as you say, he can play minutes, still hit a three when needed, that sort of thing. But I think he's starting to transition into that that role where you play a lot less, but your impact in, in getting the young guys, you know, bridging the gap between the young guys and the old guys is important. Uh, we know he's a culture driver. Like, we know that. That's massive for him. But I think he also wants to win, and he's a winning player. So it's not like he could go to, um, you know, Houston, who really is looking up, like big time looking up because they're so far down. I think that would be like a two, three, four year sort of project, if you know what I mean, to get to that cultural point because it doesn't come out overnight. 
Whereas I think if you've got a veteran team, you can get there a lot quicker if you've got the right voice. He's got an expiring tradable contract at 6.8 million. So I could see even if Atlanta end up buying him out, that he could take like a vet minimum on either. Uh, and I think it would be Phoenix, Lakers, Bucks, one of those type, you know, teams. Um, Denver, maybe, um, where he could have immediate impact and compete, but also be that that role that is come off the bench and hit threes and be that extra leader, you know, and, and, and connector of people. Speaking of the Australians, we might just cover off some of the contracts that our Australian boys have got. It's been very successful off-season for um, some of our Australians. So um, we just mentioned Mills has been, um, Paddy's been bouncing around, but um, our slow-mo Joe, unfortunately, no longer on a contending team. He's been moved from the Milwaukee Bucks. Unless you ask Pat. Unless you ask Pat. He's been moved to the Orlando Magic, which I am not a contender, but Pat thinks otherwise. He's been moved to the Orlando Magic to Disney World, um, but a two-year, $22 million contract, so $11 million a year for Joe, which is tremendous. Um, now, I don't have the numbers for the other guys, but I know Jock Landau might have got a three-year deal, did he? Four-year, four 32. But nice. his, his contract is weird. It's one, it's one year guaranteed. Yep. Two player options, uh, sorry, two team options, years two and three, and then a mutual option between team and player in year four. Right. Like okay. a really weird, so he's on a, he's on a prove it contract, but yeah. I mean, he's going to prove it. So we don't have to worry about that. Like, That's good. At least he's got one year guaranteed. So to do what he needs to do. Um, Dante Exum, who was playing overseas, has yes. um, got himself a contract. He does. Um, now, I think he was a minimum, I think, with the Mavs. Like, again, a bit of a prove-it contract for another one of our guys who had a great year and a great season in Europe. So that's exciting. And I think he's got a good role on that team to be that defensive, like, type guard, which he is first. Like, he's defensive first. And obviously with Kyrie and Luca, they need some defensive first and not offensive yeah. first players. Very true. Um, <laughs> Matisse Thibel, you know, we, we've adopted him as an Australian. He also got a new contract. He did, yeah. So he was he signed and off with the Mavs. So he could have been another Aussie in the Mavs with Greeny and um, and Dante. Uh, but then Portland, he, they, he was a restricted free agent, so they matched him. So he's got a, a three year thirty three. I don't know if it's fully guaranteed, but I think the first two years are. So that's at least if it's on average, that's at least um, you know eleven mil a year. So he's looking at twenty two mil over two years, which is a nice little. Nice little get for, for Matisse mm. and hopefully a bigger role with if Portland do go it trade Dame and go into a full rebuild. Um, he should get a decent decent amount of go there, which would be good. Absolutely. Um, and unfortunately, Matt Dell of Dover, one way unfortunate, but um, good for Australian muscle is back in the NBL. Yes, and I liked, I didn't mind his reasoning. He really wants to get um, court time to prepare himself for the next Olympics and give himself every chance to be a boomer again and just felt like he could he could play that mentor role in the NBA um, but doesn't think that'll necessarily get him as, as bit of a chance, as good a chance as making next Olympics as actually playing, you know, and, and getting that, that court time would do. So got to respect that he's, he's got his eyes forward on the another uh, Olympic campaign. Mm, absolutely. So um, we'll just run through just some of the other contracts of note that have been signed. Now, Chris Middleton has signed a three-year, $102 million deal to stay with the Bucks. 
Do you like that, love that, or hate that? I'm going to go with like it. Um, I like the fact that they're sort of keeping the band together, a bit like we're talking about Golden State. They're going to keep their – they obviously re-signed Lopez as well, so they've got Lopez, Giannis, and, and, and Chris Middleton. So, And as we know, they're only champions a couple of years back. So I, I, I like it. Don't love it, but I like it. Yeah, no, I love it. I love that. I think they're built the right way. I think they they made it the right stuff. I love Giannis as the, as the leader and he the way he's the selflessness of of him. Um, champions in two thousand twenty one, come up against a team that just matches up really well in in Miami. Who I think they're going to be competing with again. Um, so I like that they've kept that together and go again um, to to get over the top. Um, Draymond Green, four years, 100 mil, which we spoke about at Golden State. So they're trying to keep that thing and, and go again. Nice payday for Draymond. Uh, Dylan Brooks, four years, 80 million with the Houston Rockets. What are your thoughts on Dylan Brooks? I mean, I, I can't say I love it. <laughs> I, I, what I'd be really interested in with that deal is, is what element of it is guaranteed. And we don't know that yet because if it's a fully four-year, 80 mil guarantee, I probably hate it. <laughs> um, if it's maybe a, a bit of a, a a bit like Jock, maybe a maybe a one or two-year guaranteed with sort of a so he can he can sort of prove it. Um, I I like it, I guess, but I just find that what what, what Houston are doing, I just find it bizarre like <laughs> they really find it bizarre and uh, i did hear an interesting stat the other day that um i can't remember what the minimums was but it was a certain amount of um shot attempts in the nba between only, only considering guards and the two worst effective field goal shooters was fred van vliet and dylan brooks right Wow. So they have the worst. Two, it was minimum, you know. It, it, they had yeah. to have a high volume. So we're talking about high volume here, but yeah, not um, not great. So right now, I, I would be on the the hate it side. Yeah, right. I um, I, I love it actually. Hey! So I know everyone knows what happened in the in the Lakers series, but I would have hated like a lot of people were were. were saying a lot of things and you know, almost trying to blackball him out of the league. You know, all the jokes were saying that he's going to have to head overseas and all the rest of it. Like, so Which was young. Stupid. He was never yeah. going to head overseas. Like, that was yeah. dumb. Yeah. Like, so he's young. Yes, he made silly comments. Yes, he got severely outplayed, but he got outplayed by arguably the greatest player to ever play and the, one of the greatest playoff performers that you'll ever see. Um, yes, didn't front up to the media, did all of that, but this is a learning opportunity for him. Now, if that continues, it's a bit like Kyrie. Like, yes, they do some silly things and you give them a pass. They might do another silly thing, you give them a pass. But if it becomes repeated behavior, that's when you start to say, okay, well, that's who they are. So if he continues to say silly things, continues to not front up to the media, continues to not perform, then absolutely the criticism comes. But I would have hated if that one bad playoff series meant that he, he was blackballed from the league. Mm -hmm. um, so now he's got a chance. He's got this long-term deal, got good money. Now he needs to settle in and decide, okay, who do I want to meet? Do I want to be the villain and own that? And if that is the case, then do own it, go all the way with it. Um, or, okay, it's not much fun being the villain. Maybe I'll just focus on being just a really good defensive wing player um, and, and see where my career can go from there. So I like that he's got a, a chance to now let the silliness get behind him and see what he can do as he grows up a little bit. Um, 
Another one, Kyle Kuzma, four years, hundred and two million in Washington. Like love, hate it. I think I think I love it because he was, he's just going to get buckets. Like he's yeah. just going to be a fun. They're not going to win many games, but he's just going to be a fun guy to just watch do his thing. Um, so I, I love that because you need on on some of those teams you need you need someone worth watching when your team plays them. You want to see some of the other team who's worth watching, and I think Kuzma's one of those guys. So I love it. Yeah, no, I, I do like that one too. Um, another one, he's a butt of a lot of jokes. Um, obviously, getting traded out after the championship. Um, even though people make fun of what happened in like some of the plays he made in the bubble, he still was an important part of that championship team, uh, championship Laker, and now has been able to go off to Washington, have a good um, couple of years there, and now got a good contract. So I like that for him. Um, Derek Rose, your man, two years, six point five million with the Memphis Grizzlies. Like, love, hate, love, 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 <laughs> love, love, love. This is exactly what Jar needs. He needs he, between between D Rose and Marcus Smart. If if they can't get Jar playing his best basketball and get his get his head right, um, I don't think anyone can. And obviously for Derek, it gives him an opportunity to be um, on a team that was second seed last year and obviously internally they probably have the belief that they could be there again this year mm. so at this stage of his career he played for memphis university the tigers so he's back in uh back in memphis he's carved out a nice career after you know it could have been it would have been tough you know excelling so high um and then going so low um but to stick at it and, and carve out the career he's had it is very nice um, last one, Kyrie Irving, three years, $126 million to stay with the Mavs. One year guarantee, two player options. So all in control of Kyrie. Mm. Life, I hate, it. Hate. I hate, hate it. Hate it. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know that about the contract and that has definitely made the decision for me that he's fully in control. That That concerns me, but I can see why he took it. <laughs> to, to be fully in control for the next three years of his own destiny, pretty uh, pretty nice deal for him. So, but I, as we spoke about with that team last year, they were just bizarre with the two of them. And maybe it'll turn around, and maybe moving some pieces and getting Grant Williams and these other guys in might might help. But no, nah, yeah, not a fan. Yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Like, I love Mark Cuban. Um, I love the yeah. way he talks about business. I love the, his attitude towards life and, and um, how he says that you've just got to, if you want to be successful, you've just got to work hard. You've got to be an expert in your field and you just got to compete against others. There, there's no trickery or, you know, you have to be this smart guy around, do this tax break and do that. He's just like, if you want to be successful in business, know your product, be the best in your product range, beat all your competition, and that's how you be successful. Like, I just don't understand. It just doesn't make sense to me. I, I, I don't, I think Kyrie to me is a guy that you don't give the control to him because every time he's mm. in control of something, he abuses it. So it doesn't make sense, but they're, they're smarter than me. So hopefully they know exactly what they're doing because I love Luca and Luca deserves to be in a team that is doing deep playoff runs year after year so we can see him at that highest level. Oh. I don't see Kyrie being there for three years helping that case at all. I, I, I completely agree that if, if, if this ruins us seeing Luca deep in the postseason, that is going to drive me insane because we the world needs to see that. Um. One thing I did I did find interesting, someone said it the other day, was they reckon there's a lot of a lot of the contracts, um, a bit like Jeremy Grant's one with um, uh, Portland, that I think it might have been 
four for one sixty or something. Like it was a big, big deal. Um, and like Kyrie's and that, they, they think that teams who traded a lot to get guys, they're worried about losing the asset asset for nothing. Um, so they're actually I- overpaying just to hold on to that asset, knowing that you can still move them anyway. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So, so if Jeremy Grant comes out and has a ridiculous year because Dame's not there and looks awesome, suddenly his contract doesn't look too bad, and you could yeah, trade okay. it whilst rate like whilst um maintaining the asset. Um, we'll see. That plays out. So um, a lot of other things happen. A lot of players moved. Um, Ryan Heater lost a couple. We'll touch on a few of that, I think, in the next next pod, um, especially if Pat's on because Lakers have picked up a few um, there. And obviously we'll get told she want to talk about Phoenix and things like that. Um, just want to quickly transition to the World Cup um, on the end of this pod for five minutes. Um, I think we are – I'll just check my tracker here – I think we're about 40 days out once this loads up for me. Yeah. Um, yeah, my countdown tells me we're 46 days and 22 hours out from the World Cup. Um, so things are starting to get exciting. Um, the boys, are, we're, we're three and a half days out from single game tickets going on sale. If, you've, if you're a listener of the pod, you will know that we have tickets for the quarterfinals, semifinals and the medal games. So we're all locked away there but we have still failed to get tickets for the group stages for the Boomers. In four days' time, we should know if we're able to get tickets to the five group stage games and follow Boomers from start to finish on their road to the top of the basketball mountain. Um, The USA have released their roster. Now they are the favourites to win. Boomers are third behind Serbia, um, who possibly might have uh, Nikola Jokic. Um, So we'll wait to see with their roster. But just to go through the announced roster of the USA team, so you got Palo from the Magic, you got Mikel Bridges, Jalen Brunson, Anthony Edwards, um, Tyrese Halliburton from the Pacers, Josh Hart, Brandon Ingram, Jaron Jackson Jr., Cam Johnson, Walker Kessler, Bobby Portis from the Bucks, and Austin Rees of the Lakers. Personally, for me, a team that is headlined by Jalen Brunson and Anthony Edwards does not strike fear into me like a previous USA teams. I back our boomers to have a great shot of beating that USA team if we do happen to meet through this World Cup. What are your initial thoughts of this USA team? Completely agree. And once again, who are the, who's on that roster from their Olympic team? I don't know if anyone is. Uh, Brandon Ingram might be the only one that may have been on that Tokyo team. Like that, this is what they do. They they keep just throwing a random, especially for World Cups. They just yep. throw like a, who, who who puts their hand up. You basically make it for a World Cup. Like yeah, hundred percent. If guys did watch the Tokyo Olympics, we played the USA in in Tokyo. So if you go back and watch that game, we were with them through the first half. Like we were, we were right there throwing punches all every step of the way. The difference in that game was Kevin Durant, plain and simple. Kevin Durant in the second half of that game was everything Kevin Durant is, one of the greatest players to ever play the game, and just so much better than anyone that we could have on the court. So, as mm. good as our chemistry is, as good as our culture is, as good as we play as a team and maximize what we have on the court. 
we got beaten by a talent that's just far greater than us. No one on that team is that much better than what we're going to have on that floor. So it's going to take more than just having a guy like Kevin Durant to take the game away from us like they did in Tokyo. So uh, we're going to be throwing punches with them every step of the way, and it's going to take them to play good team basketball to beat us. But no one on that team is just going to be able to take over the way Kevin Durant did in Tokyo. No. And you just go back to the um, to the uh, previous World Cup when they came out here and had those games at Marvel Stadium um, when Australia beat them. And that was headlined by like Donovan Mitchell and Kemba Walker and these sorts of guys. Um, they had other guys as well. It was, again, it was a group that was just thrown together and because they're the United States, they're expected to win. Hmm. And they finished fifth, I think, in the last seventh. World Cup or something. Seventh, there you go. Seventh. Like wasn't even, yeah. So it, there's a lot of pressure on them. There's a lot of pressure on them because the world is not as scared of them anymore. No. Like at all. Um, so it'll be interesting to see over the next um, sort of month, more of the countries will start to um, confirm their rosters. Um, Giannis had surgery on his knee, so he, they haven't confirmed whether he's going to suit up for Greece or not. Um, obviously, Serbia, they're relying on um, Jokic. Obviously, that changes them. If he decides to play or doesn't decide to play, is going to be a huge thing. Um Slovenia hasn't announced their squad, but it's very likely Luca will play for them. He's very much a country man, um, so we suspect that Luca will suit up for Slovenia, which makes them a, a very good team. France will have Gobert. Um, now, it was that there was rumours that Victor was going to play, that he's not going to play, and rumours that he might play again. So you just don't know what's going to happen happen with Victor. Most most people would think, being a rookie just drafted, Spurs would take the conservative approach. So I think they will err on the side of wanting him not to play. But that's not to say that he turns around and says he does. So um, that'll be interesting if he decides to play for France. Um, but, yeah, I'm very comfortable with the team that Australia has currently um, going into the World Cup. And we'll take you on the journey with all our listeners um, as we embark on the journey for Australia to get to the top of the basketball mountain. Bring it on. Bring it on. Can't wait. Let's just Everyone, fingers crossed that we can get these single game tickets because, uh, yeah, that'll be interesting if we can't. <laughs> I'm feeling good. It'll all work it out. So um, we'll be back on in a week or so to talk more of the trades. Um, there's the impending Dame trade out of Portland. So depending what happens there, um, we'll, we'll discuss everything that. We'll talk about a few of the other moves that have happened, um, any more contracts that get signed, and as we move closer to the World Cup. So thanks for coming on tonight, Reg. Um, we'll be back on in a week or so. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Courtside Hoops podcast. Please follow us wherever you listen to our podcasts and give our Instagram page a follow as well uh, at courtsidehoops.podcast. And as always, keep sending those mailbag questions in. 